0: Good morning. Guess what I found out since Thursday morning? I found out that the God I serve is not just a God of the mountaintop. He's a God of the valley. How many of you know he's a God of the valley? He's a lily of the valley. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank all of you so much for your messages. and. Your calls, your texts, your Facebook messages, your emails, the food. Thank you all so much for everything you've done. And um, God has just made himself so real to me and Millie. Man, I thought I knew him. Uh, It is amazing how clear he is in the dark. How you can just see him so well in the dark. Um. So I uh, was sitting there this morning And they've got my sermon on a video They've got this sermon on a video And they were ready to show it this morning And I was sitting there And I didn't sleep at about three hours last night And I was just sitting there drinking coffee Because that is the nectar of the Lord right there Amen And uh Yeah, yeah And uh I just decided about 7 o'clock, I'm going to my church and preach. And I, I just knew you guys would love on me. And I knew today, I knew today I wouldn't have any enemies today. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're awesome. You're awesome, man. What a mighty God we serve. Wow. <clears throat> okay. I'll take up an offering right now. <laughs> Man. Um, just, I want to just talk to you about a couple things real quick. Um, I'm going to, after the service, I'm going to go back there and stay. Because if I talk to you all, I'll lose it. So I can't talk to anybody today, all right? And tomorrow night, I'll, I'll stay here as long as you want me to stay here, and we'll just all cry and laugh, because and, tomorrow night, Mitch's Memorial is going to be unlike any memorial you've ever gone to before. So you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. And um, there are going to be a lot of people here tomorrow who don't know the Lord, tomorrow night. And... Um, you know what? I don't know how we can do this, but man, let's make sure they get a seat. If we have to stand in the back, let's make sure they get a seat. And uh, I don't know how you do that. God will do it. God will do it, won't He? And uh, um, tomorrow night's going to be a great. And, and look, it's going to be online. We're going to we're going to do it live online. So if for some reason you can't get here, don't worry about that. Um, you just be at home and tune in and. We'll be right here and you can watch the service from your house. Um, we are asking that uh, just get the word out on Facebook and any way you can that, that we want everybody to bring shoes tomorrow night for the water that we're making the wells with the shoes. You know what's going on there, the wells uh, in Africa. And we want to do that in, in memory and in honor of Mitch. And uh, so if you guys will just get that word out so that his friends and people who don't come to church here, who don't know about the shoe thing, if you'll get that word out, man, we, I think we'll just collect thousands of pairs of shoes maybe tomorrow night. I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I just was praying yesterday, and I felt, hey, man, Mitch would love that. He would love that. So, so get that word out. Hey, and don't forget now, we're coming up on Easter and you you got your, you your toolkit. I hope you all been passing those invite cards out, you know. Come on. You know, uh, when I preached last Sunday, I didn't know Mitch would be gone Thursday. We, we don't know who's going to be gone. We don't know. We don't know. So all, all we can do is try to get the word out to everybody we can and get as many people uh, come to the Lord as we can. So pass those invite cards out. Let people know what's going on. And let's get people here for Easter. Get them here for the rest of this sermon series. Use those Just Because cards. Don't forget to make your list. And, and be a bringer, be a bringer, be a bringer. Invite, invite people. Um, you know, it's just been proven that a lot of people would say, nobody ever asked me. A lot of people who don't go to church, when you talk to them, they, just say, they say, nobody ever asked me to go. I would have I gone. So let's don't be that. Let's don't be an excuse for people not coming. Let's be a reason they did come. Can I just tell you, too, about the other campus in Goldsboro? Do you know, guys, that since we started the Sunday morning service over there, we're over 300 in attendance at that campus? Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's just amazing. So. Uh, There are a lot of opportunities over there to get involved, and uh, you know, it would be great if you served there on Thursday or or Sunday morning in the second service and then attended here. Um, That would be great, but that campus right now has got a lot of openings for ministry, a lot of openings for volunteer ministry over there. So uh, take note of that, hospitality, children, um, those ministries. And so we we appreciate you helping us out over at that campus. Don't forget this book that we are uh, encouraging everybody to get. And I know sometimes you don't have the money. Just keep it in mind when you do have a little bit of extra money. Just go in there and pick that up from the bookstore, Spiritual Warfare, uh, because that is what we're talking about. So let's get into uh, the message today. And uh, the title of our series is Duped. And uh, this is a great title that the creative uh, team came up with because it means tricked. Deceived, and that's exactly what he does. Last week we talked about how the scriptures expose the enemy, how the scriptures revealed Satan to us. We talked about that last week, the revelation of Satan in the scriptures. And then today what we want to talk about is his relation to the church. I want to just reveal a little bit today about his strategy, Satan's strategy in the church and how he wants to work in the church. It is obvious that Satan is thoroughly anti-Christ. Satan is thoroughly anti-God. He is thoroughly anti-Christian, anti-Christianity. But can I tell you something that may surprise you? He's pro-church. Satan's pro-church. He's pro-religion. Satan loves religion, because see, what he wants to do is get in the church and make it something God never intended it to be. How powerful that is. And he's made some headway there. He, he's really been successful there. Satan uh, is in the midst of the church today. He, he works in this church. He tries to destroy the work of Jesus Christ. And and the way he does it is by uh, trying to destroy the truth of the Word of God, um, by by tempting us, by causing us to sin, by causing us to fail. Uh, One writer said that um, Satan's got the world, so he doesn't really have to spend much time out there. He can spend most of his time in the church, trying to ruin the church. And that's a very, very good point. The way he does that is by polluting the church and ruining the testimony of the church. It may sound judgmental on the surface, what I'm about to say, but I don't mean this to be judgmental. It is just the truth. One of the things here at the bridge we're very, very careful about is being critical of other churches. But the fact is, in America today, there are some churches, many churches, in fact, that uh, for all intents and purposes are run by Satan. You say, are you talking about satanic churches? No. There aren't many of those. But there are churches that, under the guise of religion, have denied the reality of God. They've denied the reality of Jesus Christ. They've denied the truth of the Scriptures. They've denied the existence of God, yet they still call themselves a church, and they very proudly refer to themselves, uh, their buildings, as the house of God. But God is not in those churches you say, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. You're talking about those liberal churches. That's true. There are some liberal churches, and I mean they're out there, buddy. They're on a limb out there, but, but but the enemy, Satan, has made a lot of headway in evangelical churches like this one. Bible-believing churches like this one. Let me just go through a list of what he loves to do in the church. He loves nothing better, Satan loves nothing better than to split the church to divide the church. Anybody here? Don't raise your hand. Ever been in a good church fight? Somebody put a picture on uh, uh, Facebook the other day of a hockey game, and every hockey player on there was fighting another hockey player. I said, it looks like a church business meeting. I mean, I've been to those business meetings. Have you? And, and Satan loves that. Satan loves that. You know, back in the old days, uh, um, they would preach, and, and, and of course, when we do here as well, uh, the sins of drugs and the sins of alcohol. And, and uh, one preacher got up and said, I've got that. He said, but I'm going to tell you right now, the devil would rather start a church fuss than sell a barrel of whiskey any day. A church fuss will do far more damage than selling a barrel of whiskey any day. He loves to split the church. He loves to destroy our fellowship. He loves to destroy our unity and our um, uh, um, working together to accomplish the goals of God. He wants to ruin the name of the church. He loves to create church fights and then he loves to make them public. He wants the public to know about them. He celebrates when Christians fall prey to his traps and his snares. He loves it when we fall into his temptations and give in, especially when influential pastors and religious leaders fall into sin and fail. He delights in exposing the sins of Christians. And he loves to try to stain the entire church and the entire church congregation. He loves to target people in the church who hold key positions of influence. He wants to ruin and crush the church with sin. And so that's why we pray. And that's why I encourage you to pray here at the bridge constantly incessantly that God will rebuke Satan in this house amen and keep us pure keep our church pure you say oh I know about impurities oh really boy you must be a detective yeah the impurities get in the church but that's why we just keep praying and keep praying and keep praying sometimes the impurities are in me but we keep praying God keep us pure keep the reputation of the church pure keep it holy Always remember that uh, whatever Christ is trying to do in the church, Satan's trying to do exactly the opposite. And remember that Satan is fighting for his survival. He can read the Bible. He knows what the Bible says, but he's not about to sit around and wait for it to come. Now, whether you believe Satan knows what's going to happen to him or he's able to comprehend that or not, I don't know, really. But I'm going to tell you something. I know this. If he does recognize that the Bible predicts his doom, prophesies his doom, and he gets that and understands. You can cool believe he's going to grab everybody he can and drag them down with him when he goes. Don't be one of those. Don't be one of those. Decide this morning you're not going to be one of those. The church is made up of people. God loves people. Satan hates people. God wants Christ to be inside people. Satan hates for people to accept Christ. Satan will do all that he can to prevent The Christ-like God life of a Christian. The Holy Spirit tries to draw us into righteousness. Satan tries to lead us into unrighteousness. And that's why Christ's mission, I mean, Jesus said it was to destroy the works of the devil. He said, I'm here to destroy the works of the devil because what he's doing is in direct opposition to everything Jesus said that I stand for. I want you to get this. The minute you decide to follow Christ. I mean, repentance is a military word. It means about face. I mean, you're going towards sin, you're going towards self, you're going towards Satan, and you decide this life is not what I want for myself. I need Jesus. So you turn around and you say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I want to follow you. I'm going to leave sin behind i'm going to leave self behind i'm going to leave satan behind and i'm going to fix my eyes on you now i'm not going to be dishonest today i'm going to tell you that when you decide to do that you just decided to go against the current you just entered into a battle you just entered into a war because the minute you turn and decide to follow jesus you're going to be in a battle but god who is now in you because you believed in him, Jesus, who is in you through the Holy Spirit because you believed in him, will now empower you to overcome. Because if he is for us, ladies and gentlemen, nobody can be against us. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. The Bible says that Uh, Over there in Romans chapter 8, it talks about can this, can this, can this, can this separate you from the love of God? No, it says none of these things. And you are more than conquerors. You say, time out. How can you be more than a conqueror? I mean, you're either a conqueror or you're not a conqueror. Listen to this. Here's how you're more than a conqueror. When somebody else wins your battle for you and then pats you on the head and says, good job. That's what God does every day. He fights our battles for us if we let him because the battle's not ours, the battle is the Lord's. And then he wins the battle for us and and pats us on the back and goes, way to go. That's, That's being more than a conqueror. So Satan begins the fight when you commit to Jesus. The more committed you are, the more he's gonna fight you. The closer we get to the coming of Christ, and I believe we're very close to the second coming of Christ, the more he's going to fight, the harder the battle will become. And I got to tell you, you say, well, you know, it's kind of gray right now. You know what's happening in the world? There's a clear line being drawn. There's a clear line being drawn where you're going to be on one side or you're going to be on the other side. There's going to be a clear line of demarcation, and Jesus is coming to gather his church home. But he's after us. He wants to destroy us. The Bible says in Acts 5 that he tempts us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 that he does everything he can to hinder us. The scripture says in Revelation 12 that he accuses us before God. In Ephesians 6, it says that he deploys demons to defeat us. These things are in the Bible. This is not some fairy tale. Satan's busy. He's busy in the life of a committed believer, which means that he's busy in the life of the church because the church is people. When the church boldly moves in obedience to Jesus, When a church like the bridge takes its stand and says, we believe the word of God, we believe in the person of Jesus Christ, we believe uh, that the Bible is true and the words of Jesus are true and that he died on a cross for us and he rose from the dead and that there's no other way we can know God except through what he did on the cross and his empty tomb and there is no way we can know God except by reading his word and spending time in prayer and we stand and we call right, right and wrong, wrong, I'm going to tell you right now he is going to come against us with everything he's got you can be sure that satan will attempt to get in here and he will try to sow discord he will try to get in here and cause as much blatant sin in our church as he can he will try to destroy here's what he's after the testimony of this church he's after the testimony of this church he's after your testimony he's after your testimony Um, yesterday when I was preparing my comments for Mike Johnson's funeral, what a great celebration of life that was yesterday. God gave me a statement and you guys know I, I, I love quotes. If you follow me on Facebook, I'm a, I'm a posting quotes all the time cause they inspire me and they, especially the ones I agree with. I really like those, but, um, the ones that convict me, uh, but, um, I, I, God gave me a, a statement. He said, How a Christian reacts during suffering, it either proves the existence of God or it provides fodder for atheists. How a Christian reacts during suffering either proves the existence of God or it provides fuel for atheist. And that's one of the things about Mike and Wanda and their family and how they suffered. I don't mean how they suffered. I mean how they suffered. How they went through suffering. There is nothing more powerful than when you as a child of God go through a dark night of the soul and hold your head up and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen, amen. What we preach is true or it's not true. The bishop of our denomination called me from Oklahoma City. I pray toward Oklahoma three times a day. (laughs) That's not true, that's not true. Uh, And he called me and he was talking to me and we were both weeping on the phone and I said, Bishop, it's time to walk it out now. I said, I've preached it since I was 17 years old. It's time to walk it out. Either what I've been preaching and what you've been preaching It's true or it's not true. God walks with you through the dark places or He doesn't. People are watching when you suffer. And when they see you act just like everybody else does who doesn't know Jesus during the time of storm, that brings a reproach against God. Suffer well. Suffer well. You say, but pastor, you know, oh man, listen, I've had my moments, I've curled up, I've had my moments when I just totally lost it. I mean, when I found out about Mitch's death, I was in Atlanta. I got up and packed my stuff because I was at a, a coaching group there. Tony Morgan coaches about 12 pastors and I go about once a, I go once a month and I'd driven down early. I was going to spend the night and have a day by myself, me and the Bible and Jesus. And I went and opened my phone up, and there's a text from Millie that said, call home, I think Mitch is dead. And God just showed up, and peace came in the hotel room. God will come today's end. I'm telling you right now, God will come. <laughs> today's in and I packed my stuff up and tears flowing man me just thinking about a thousand things and God, man God just, he said I'm right here I'm going to sit right here beside you and me and him rode all the way back and he talked to me that's my God, that's the God I serve he's a lily of the valley man (laughs) I mean I could preach on so many things You know, there was a battle in the Old Testament and they fought God's people on the mountaintop and they lost every time. And then they said, oh, we know what the problem is. Their God is a God of the mountain. We'll meet them in the valley. So they went and fought them in the valley and God's kids kicked their butt down there too. So God is a God of the valley. The moment a person or a church takes a bold, obedient stand for Jesus Christ and God's word, Satan declares war. That's why at the end of Paul's life, he took a deep breath and said, I have fought a good fight because it was a fight. He fought all the time, all the time. I mean, one time they stoned him and thought he was dead and threw him on a trash pile. And when he regained his consciousness, he went right back into the same city, started preaching again. Fought a good fight. It's a fight warring against Satan and the dark world is something we Christians should expect and something that every unbeliever you don't have to worry about it. I have unbelievers say to me, "Man, y'all talk about Satan all the time. I've never run into Satan." I go, "Cause you and him are going in the same direction. <laughs> turn around and turn around and go against him. You'll hit him head on." Look what the Bible says. Here's the good news. Paul to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 10 13. No trial, no temptation, no trial, listen, no trial, no testing, no temptation has, has overtaken you, but as such, but such as is common to man. So, this whole thing where you're like, ain't nobody going through this but me, you got to read that verse right there. Hey, listen, it's hard for me and Millie right now, but I'm so proud of my girl. Man, my girl has been strong. My girl has been strong, and I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of her. Now, she's mama, and she's a woman, so she's gonna cry about 10 times more than I do, but I gotta tell you, she has been so strong in this. I'm so proud of her, and, and me and her were talking. We said, you know, as bad as this is, We could name a whole bunch of people. We could have made a long list of people who are going through a lot worse than we are. It's common to man. Stop thinking your suffering's worse than anybody else. And when somebody's telling you about their suffering, don't interrupt them and go, well, my suffering is, stop. (laughs) I've probably done that. But let them tell you their story. You know, sometimes it's not about you. Write that down. Sometimes it's not about me. And look at this. And what does that say? What does that say? Say that, those three words. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, he is. Who will not allow you to be tempted, tested, tried beyond what you are able. But with that temptation will, not might or could, will provide a way of Escape also so that you will be able to. Man, do I know that's true. You say, well, when Satan comes after me, how can I defeat him? Well, let's talk about that in closing. Some people say spiritual warfare consists of the believer kind of sticking his chest out. You know, I I hear some of these people, i tell you when the devil comes, you stick your chest out and you rebuke him in the name of But then, and I know that all that sounds good and I don't really have a big problem with that. I mean, I know you got to be bold as a lion. I know all that stuff. But you know, I think about that watchman on the wall. When he sees the enemy coming, he doesn't jump out there and go fight the enemy. He goes and tells the commander. So when you see the enemy coming at you, go tell your commander Jesus. Go tell the captain. And then he'll rally all the forces. Don't fight your battles in solitude. Don't fight your battles alone. You say, but I grew up in a church that, you know, if you got sick or you had problems, you just had to, you know, just stick your chest out and fight the devil. No, listen. Listen. We don't preach out here. You call us. You call on God. You lean on your church. We fight together. We fight together. Amen? And here's what I knew when Mitch died. When Mitch died and I heard about it and it all settled in, I said, thank God for the bridge, man. Thank God for the bridge. Because y'all have known that since Mitch was 15 years old, he has took drugs and drank alcohol and it killed him. And you, if anybody's ever said anything bad about me, because of that, I don't know it. Now I'm sure they may have, but I don't know it. Then nobody come running and said, Hey, so-and-so said something about Mitch, and I've never heard it. You're the most awesome church. Somebody asked me, would I ever let my name be run for bishop of our denomination? I said, why would I step down to do that? (laughs) Amen? I had a guy call me recently, and I just say this in all humility. I'm I'm not bragging about that. He said, man, I'm going to nominate you to be our next bishop of our denomination. I said, you're just like Sam Ballot in the book of Nehemiah. Sam Ballot has uh, Nehemiah's up building the wall, and Sam Ballot said, "Come down from building the wall. Let's go into the valley of Ono. That was the, that was the name of the valley. And God said, "Say a no, no, to Oh No." Amen. Yeah. And so, so I told him, I said, "Hey, Sam Ballot, quit calling me." And he and I, he and I, have made a big joke about that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't step down. I got y'all are stuck with me, buddy. I'm telling you right now. I don't know anybody. I don't know any church. I don't know any group of people that will stand up and war for one another like this church. And I'm so blessed to be here. I'm so blessed to be your pastor because I knew you were going to hook up with me and you were going to say, Pastor, we'll take it on together. Let's, Let's run to the commander. Don't fight it. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. When Satan starts bombing you, he's bombing me right now. He's gonna bomb you. He's gonna bomb you, man. When he starts bombing you, you tell the Lord first. You tell the Lord first, then others. When he starts bombing you, you don't even call the prayer team first. Don't even call me first. Because if I look down and see who it is, I ain't gonna answer. <laughs> but <laughs> when God sees it's you, He comes running. So, you make sure you call on him first. Here's a principle to live by. Whenever Satan comes to you with temptation, bring up Jesus right then. You guys battling porn, you guys battling pornography, when when it comes on you, when that temptation, just say, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm your child, Jesus Christ. Give me strength. You who are battling addiction to alcohol or you're battling addiction to prescription drugs or you're battling addiction to street drugs and it comes on you, just rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Listen, Satan can't stand. When you start saying the name of Jesus and praising the name of Jesus and glorifying the name of Jesus and you put some Jesus music on and you just start praising him, I'm telling you, he will flee from you and that temptation will go away from you. I'm telling you. <laughs> you ever been in it? You ever been tempted by something? I mean, a sin you really like. Oh, I don't like sin. Oh, yes, you do. You wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, sin you really like. Let me tell you, bring Jesus into it. Bring Jesus. you hear me? I'm telling you now, bring Jesus into it. I don't care what you about. Hatred, I talked to somebody the other day, so full of hatred, they won't go to this church, don't look around. <laughs> so full of hatred and bitterness, man. And they say they're a Christian. And I'm like, man, call on Jesus. See, you, you, you're not just tempted to do drugs, and you're not just tempted to do alcohol, and you're not just tempted to, to look at porn. You're tempted to hate people. You're tempted to hold grudges. You're tempted to gossip. We love to talk about people who take drugs and people who drink and people who party and people who uh, look at porn. We love to talk about that because we ain't got a problem with any of that. But I'm telling you, temptation's temptation. And you, no matter what you're tempted to do, bring Jesus in, bring Jesus in, cry out to him, call on his name. The Christian life's never easy, but the Bible says there is always, always a what? a way of escape. You don't have to do it. Every time Mitch drank, every time Mitch did drugs, he didn't have to. He didn't have to. Because my God said, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But then when he did fall, he had a Savior. He had a Lord who would come and love on him and chasing him. Yes. Chasing him and He suffered so much, he suffered so much because of his inability to to bring Jesus into his temptations. If he was here, and I'm not going to preach his memorial today, but if he was here, he would just tell you. He would say, Daddy's telling you the truth. He would say, I could have cried out to Jesus, but I didn't, I, I gave in too many times. But you know what else he'd tell you? He'd tell you, Jesus never stopped loving me. And Jesus never kicked me out of his family. You thank God for that. Look at 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21. Where is the victory, Pastor? Where is this victory found? 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21. Your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. That's what's wrong with a lot of us. The only time we think about God is when we're in here. And see Pastor Farrell run us off the road. Oh, just thought about Jesus. Pastor Farrell ran me off the road. There's my pastor. (laughs) Look what it says, man. Look, it cost God plenty to get you out of that dead end. What did it cost God? His son, he gave his son. Look what it says, it, that dead end, and then I love, the, I love the message. Dead end life, what else life? The Greek word for that right there is doofus. <laughs> the dead end doofus. Life you grew up in, look look at the yellow. He paid with, oh my, he paid with Christ's sacred blood. You know, I love that, you know that. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb and this was no afterthought. Look at the next slide. Even though it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge, God always knew He was going to do this for you. That's some love right there, isn't it? It's because of this sacrificed Messiah whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that means he's where. Where' the choir song about today? He's where. He's in heaven glorified. that you are able to trust God. And be connected back to God where we messed it up in the Garden of Eden. Look at this last part. That you know you have a future. Where is that future? Hmm. Peter was saying here the victory was provided for us in the blood of the Lamb. That's where our victory is. That's what I talked about last week. You, see, you don't pray for victory. You pray from victory. The victory's already been won. Jesus won the victory. Now is the prince of this world cast out. When I die on the cross, when I rise from the dead, now, right then, will he be cast down. Right then, will he be defeated. Now, he doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to live like that. He wants you to think victory is something you've got to win. You've got to get. I think that was one of Mitch's biggest problems. I think Mitch thought he had to win the victory, and then God would like him if he could win the victory. And I, I told him over and over, Mitch, it's in him you have the victory, son. It's in him you have the victory. Look at Hebrews 2. You know, I I just long for the day when the demons of hell will will see what's going on in this church and say, hell, help us. All heaven's about to break loose. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Because God's children are human beings. Anybody here not a human being? We'd like to meet you right after the service. Actually, I would not like to meet you after the sermon. (laughs) What are we made of? Flesh and blood. Because of that, the Son also became flesh and blood. Jesus said, I'll just go down there. I'll just go down there and be one of them. He said, Father, you know really the only way I can rescue them is to just be one of them. Anybody thankful for that? For only as a human being could he die. He couldn't die as God. He had to die as a human being, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Amen, amen, who had the power. He had it. He had it. And they were down there in hell throwing a party when Jesus died on the cross. But the book of Revelation says that now Jesus has the keys of death and hell. I don't know exactly how all that happened, but I think they were throwing a party down there and, hell, this is me now. You ain't gonna find this in the Bible. This is Pharaoh Hardin, chapter two, verse eight. (laughs) And they're throwing it down, buddy, and all of a sudden they hear Footsteps. And they look around, and in walks the carpenter's son with holes in his hands and holes in his feet and a pierced side and a crown of blood. And he says, I've come to take the keys back that you stole in the Garden of Eden. And they had to give him the keys back to death. He doesn't have the keys of death anymore. God has them. Hebrews 2, 14, uh, that is it, isn't it? Next slide. Only in this way Could he set what? How many? Who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. It was the, here it is, here it is, guys. It was the death of Christ and his shed blood that provided victory. It's not you. It's not something you do. It's something you reach out and take. It is a gift. It's a gift. I'll tell you a couple little stories I heard real quick. <clears throat> I heard a story about this uh, painting that was hanging in a museum. And it was a picture of a young man playing Satan in a game of chess. And Satan had this young man checkmated. And there was a joy and glee on the face of Satan. And there was fear and horror on the face of that young man. And that was a painting in a museum. Well, a great chess player was in that museum one day and he saw that painting and he took a piece of paper and sketched out on that piece of paper where all of the um, uh, pieces of the chess were, you know, the king and the queen and the castle and the, uh, I don't know what they're called, bishop and all that. And... Um, he, he, put, he drew it out, and he went home, and he studied it for two days. And he found where that young man could make one move and turn the whole thing around and checkmate the devil. And when I read that, I thought, that's what Jesus did. We were dead, baby. We were dead in the water. Satan had us checkmated. We were all going to hell, and Jesus made a move at Calvary that changed everything. Napoleon was planning to conquer the world, and he had conquered most of it. And He had this huge map, and in the middle of that map was England, and he took a paintbrush and dipped it in the red paint and put a dot on England and he said if not for that red dot I could conquer the world and I thought that's how it is with us if not for the red blood of Jesus applied to our heart he could conquer us he would have victory over us we could not win over him but because of the red dot of Jesus blood applied to our hearts He cannot have victory over us. And the people of the bread said,